Hello and welcome back to season two of Recover to Flourish. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach, and this podcast is everything I wish I'd heard in my own eating disorder recovery journey over a decade ago. I really, really hope you're loving the episodes. We're now in season two, and I have come back full of energy and excited to bring you lots more information and tips to guide you on your eating disorder recovery journey. If you haven't checked out some of my offers before, just letting you know that I offer one-on-one eating disorder coaching. I have limited number of spots. I actually only have one spot at the minute. So if you're interested, you can apply. The link is in the show notes. I'm also launching an eating disorder recovery community called the Flourish Club later this month or next month, depending on when this episode comes out, it'll probably be this month, with guest speakers, a community forum, access to me, and just being that guiding force in your eating disorder recovery journey. So if you are interested, again, look at the links in the show notes and you can find out more. But for now, I am going to get into today's episode and it's going to be a solo episode, just me, and we're going to be talking about a topic that comes up a lot within conversations with my clients and also with DMs on Instagram. And it's about how to cope with the feeling of fullness or low, a non-existent appetite during healing from an eating disorder. And, you know, I think... In the past, when when I've done episodes before, the episodes have been primarily around extreme hunger or intensified hunger during eating disorder recovery, as you know, body and mind restores itself to a point of equilibrium. And this normally normally happens, not always, but it normally happens after a prolonged energy deficit that, you know, eating disorders often bring. And so that puts the body into kind of that survival mode. It wants to eat everything in sight. You're thinking about food constantly because the body is trying to get itself back to a place of balance. But the thing is, it doesn't always happen that way, especially in the early, early days of eating disorder recovery. And some people often find absent hunger signals or none at all. And it's so hard. And that means that you have that thought in your head of, I can't eat or why am I eating if I'm not hungry? But this doesn't mean that you shouldn't eat. Actually, it's not the case at all. And it's the body doing its thing. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about maybe why you might have non-existent hunger signals or you get full really easily you know, the the way that the body is actually designed to protect itself and how you actually cope on it. So I'm going to delve into the reasons behind that lower appetite at various stages of your recovery journey. And like I said, most importantly, why it's absolutely imperative to continue nourishing your body despite, you know, all of these obstacles, because it does feel daunting, uncomfortable, or even distressing. So first things first, why do you actually have a low appetite? So low appetite is particularly common in the early stages of recovery. After months, even years of restricting, your body has normally grown accustomed to this lifestyle. So let's say you're not eating for long periods of time and you know, the body gets into this pattern of eating. So like I said, if you've got into this pattern of restricting for some time, it's very likely that your stomach capacity has shrunk. Um, 
and that is called slow gastric emptying. So it's basically it takes longer for the food to leave your system and pass through your intestinal system, you know, into your stomach. You might have constipation and then eating can lead to more cramps, bloating, you know, as your stomach actually tries to adjust to this new amount of food. And that creates a perfect storm when it comes to early fullness or early satiation, bloating, gas, low physical appetite. But, and I want to stress this, that does not mean that your body is not very hungry. It's just not on your side. You know, when you start to eat restrictively at the beginning of an eating disorder, it's very likely that your body has tried to desperately, you know, for a time, keep sending you hunger signals you know, as like its weapon to try and get you to a place of eat to eat more. You know, you'll be thinking, it's telling you these things to think about food, feel about food, you know, you're suppressing your, your hunger and you're, you're just ignoring it because your eating disorder mind is so strong and that therefore all of these hunger signals are just stop being sent because you are basically trying to preserve itself at that point. If you get to a certain point, it's like, you know what, I'm going to stop sending her, you know, them hunger signals and therefore, you know, actually stops it. And blunted hunger signals is a response to prolonged energy deficit. It's a survival mechanism. You know, in our ancestor hunter-gatherer times, when being hungry was, you know, common if food was scarce in the environment, it was important that those, you know, those people affected could basically focus on finding food and just survive. And that's what, you know, we're doing in modern society, you know, and if the hunger is creating symptoms of low energy or constantly feeling really hungry or hangry as they call it, you know, really moody, the ancestors are, you know, hunter-gatherer ancestors would be too distracted by that hunger to actually find food. So therefore, it's actually a survival mechanism to shut those signals off when you are hungry, just to keep you alive, you know. And therefore, when you start the recovery process, it's very possible, both mentally and physically, that you have low or no appetite, And then it can flip the other way, like a pendulum effect. But it doesn't mean that at the start of recovery, you might not feel really full and it might last a long time if you're not fully honoring your hunger. And that's when, in a weird way, you have to actually eat to stimulate your appetite. And that's when at the beginning of recovery, it's kind of like mechanical eating, food-focused approach. When you start to eat more, it has the effect of allowing your body to trust that food is abundantly available. Because if you're shutting that off and saying, okay, I'm only allowed to eat this, I'm only allowed to eat that, you know, and actually having a lack of unconditional permission to eat, you're going to be having skewed hunger and fullness signals. And that's why it's integral to have unconditional permission to eat. And that's why people later on in recovery actually find that their hunger skyrockets, because at that point, the body's like, oh my gosh, it needs food. And like we know, recovery is not an overnight process. It takes a good year or more to really and fully heal mentally and physically. You know, over time, it's natural that your hunger will be up and down for a variety of reasons. Um, And like I said, extreme hunger is, is likely to hit at some point. And you will need to drive through that when it hits and don't ignore it. There'll be periods when your hunger levels are not extreme. But I think it's worthwhile noting as well, when you're at a recovered state, 
you know, hunger and fullness is still very down. It's not always the same. It's not always stable. You know, some days you're really hungry, some days you're not. I mean, around my menstrual cycle, I'm actually, weirdly, the opposite. I don't, I lose my appetite. So it's very different. Humans are not always designed to have consistent hunger and fullness signals. And actually, it's about deciphering what actually hunger and fullness is. And I think that's an episode in itself. But that's where kind of understanding the intuitive eating scale, the hunger fullness scale is really important to actually understand what way is your body actually sending you hunger signals. And, you know, that is where actually deciphering mental hunger comes in because if you're thinking about food it's likely that you need food you know if you're thinking about food obsessively and you know if you're at a point in your recovery where your hunger is really starting to level off and you have achieved full physical restoration you know for instance, and by that, I mean, we're not going off the BMI scale. We're going off a point where you're at your set point and actually feel physically better. And actually being honest with yourself, what physical better is, not the eating disorder, I'm fine, which I know comes in a lot. But you will actually then have to maintain and be very vigilant about the fact that you're eating enough. Because your eating disorder might be like a very slight whisper in the back, but you just have to keep that consistency with eating. And I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here about weight restoration, but it's just very important to note that if you are suppressed in weight, that your hunger and fullness will not be at where it needs to be. It's a hormonal response. It's a survival response, you know, and I think it's very, very important to address as well. If you are not eating in a regular pattern, so let's say that you're going long periods without food, it's actually counterproductive for a human. You know, you're basically putting yourself into survival mode every single day. And that's where regularity in eating comes. That's where actually eating every three to four hours maximum, you know, it could be less than that, is really important to achieve these regular um, hunger and fullness signals. And I suppose it's really important to know, you know, all of that aside, Various psychological and physiological factors come into play, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't not eat. And you're going to say to me, well, how do you actually do this? How do you get past the strategies? Um, How do you get past the physical discomfort? Not how do you get past the strategies, but how do you actually find strategies to help you cope with these discomforts? And there are going to be moments where appetite seems like elusive and the thought of eating can be daunting. However, I'm going to go through around 10 tips for you to actually stay on track when your appetite is low or seemingly absent. So first things first, I think it's about, you know, all of that being said, if you listen to the background, it's actually recognizing your body's need for regular nutrition and nourishment. So even when your appetite is very low, you have to remind yourself that your body is hungry because it's no rocket science to say that if you've had months, years, decades of underfueling, your insufficient fuel has created an energy deficit and your body is in need of substance to heal both men- mentally and physically. You know, I know your eating disorder might be telling you, well, I don't feel hungry, therefore I'm fine. But it's it's using logic. You know, actually, have I been under eating for a significant period of time? I am not a unicorn. I am like everyone else. And if you've had a period of famine, 
in any shape or form. And famine looks different for anyone. You can be in a normal weight. You could be in a higher weight. You know, famine doesn't just mean that you have to be underweight. That is very important to know. But if you are underfueled in any point, you need to acknowledge that actually your body needs nourishment. That's the first tip. Second tip, and it's acknowledging mental hunger. And again, I think this is another episode in itself. But sometimes physical hunger may be absent, but that mental hunger persists. And mental hunger is things like thoughts of obsessive thoughts of food, meal planning, observing other people's eating habits, asking about food, looking at cookbooks, looking at recipes to an obsessive amount. And obviously, we all think about food sometimes. I know for a fact if it's coming close to lunchtime and I'm thinking about food, that is a sign that I probably need lunch. And that is a normal human response to being hungry. However, if you are thinking about food obsessively, and I mean by that like day in, day out, 24 hours around the clock, that is mental hunger. And you actually need to acknowledge it and nourish when that physical hunger has subdued. Number three, and that's eating a baseline minimum. And that goes back to the regular nourishment and nutrition. So you need to set a baseline minimum of food that you can really commit to during your eating disorder recovery. And by that, you might want to work with a registered dietitian. I've had a couple of episodes with two lovely registered dietitians, Priya and Talia, Again, within my coaching, I'm also trained in uh, in nutrition. So I've got a nutrition diploma. So I do work with clients on meal planning and actually creating food plans for people. But again, if you want to work with a specialist eating disorder dietitian who's going to really like, you know, just have that session just being food focused, then dietitians might help you with that baseline minimum of food. But like I said, within my coaching, I actually help clients create these plans of actually going, okay, what is my baseline minimum amount of food that can actually support my recovery? So regularly eating dense foods every two to three hours. So not focusing on these fibrous foods, you know, that are common in people with eating disorders, such as like high volume vegetables, fruits, they're all great foods, but should be kept to a minimum when you're trying to restore weight because it can, again, trick your body into saying, okay, well, I'm not hungry because I'm filling up on these foods. So having every two to four hours, eating regularly, three meals, three snacks to actually achieve your goal of nutrition. Tip number four, and that is, like I said, going on from that is like opting for these energy dense foods. So when you have a low appetite, please don't focus on the fruits and veg part of your plan. It's not saying that you can't have them at all. Of course not. But by adding kind of um, energy dense foods such as nuts, cookies, chocolate, ice cream, I'm thinking like grains, breads, peanut butter, anything that's going to provide you a great hit of nutrition can help, you know, give you the much needed nourishment, improve your digestion, stimulate appetite without filling you up with bulk. And, you know, especially if you're already having constipation, etc., you don't want to make things worse for yourself. Now, number five, and that's respond promptly to hunger cues. So if you've got a slight inkling of hunger, you know, whether that is physically through hunger signals such as a rumbly tummy or feeling a bit lightheaded etc or mental cues I want you to act on it now if you kind of say oh I'm not going to listen to that hunger now you'll find that it actually subdues and responding to these hunger signals immediately 
can actually help you kind of build trust with your body again. So that might be a case of actually having snacks on hand. I still do that to to my day. I have a little thing in my car which has extra snacks, some drinks, just in case I am without food for a prolonged period of time. Because even when you are recovered, your body still has like a, a bit of a muscle memory. It's like, okay, you in the past put me through a long period of famine don't ever do it again. And it's just ensuring that you stay regular with your nutrition. And that's why I like to eat very regularly. I am still on the three meals and two to three snacks, not because I follow a meal plan, but just because that's the structure that works for me, responding to my hunger, etc. So I really want you to promptly respond to your hunger cues to reawaken that body, your body. Number six, avoid, like I said, low energy foods. So stay clear of your bulky energy deficient foods such as your fruits veggies and you know low lower nutrition cereals and focus on the concentrated sources of energy tip number seven and that's minimizing exercise during recovery so I'm not saying you have to cut it out completely obviously there is a balance I think if you have a unhealthy relationship with exercise and it is obsessive fueled by your eating disorder it's very cardio heavy then it really would be a case of fully taking a break from exercise however if it's something that you're doing that is not obsessive and actually helping with your mindset it's minimizing that exercise because exercise, especially cardiovascular exercise, increases cortisol levels, which then increase stress and then diminishes uh, appetite. So by reducing this anxiety or even, you know, that excessive cortisol, your appetite is more likely to return. So it's really about trying to rewire your brain, focus on slow movement, be that sitting you know, doing these distracting activities just to make your body feel in a place of equilibrium. Tip number eight, and that's again, addressing that stress, anxiety, overwhelm, etc. Because again, anxiety and etc. does diminish appetite. So when you're in a period of stress, you can under eat because your body is firing out cortisol to basically diminish all of that hunger to fight or flight. It's basically saying getting you out of danger. You know, despite that discomfort, sit down and eat when stress and anxiety arises to reduce your association with food because you don't want to create that tie. Number nine, and we're nearly there. So I want you to use comfort measures or comfort blankets, you know, and I mean comfort blankets in a wide sense. So actually having things that bring you nourishment and warmth. So that is hot water bottles, blankets, candles, nice scents, you know, a toy. I still have a cuddly toy and I'm late in my twenties. Like it doesn't really matter. Having these comfort things actually help to alleviate discomfort, bring you safety, bring you comfort, cuddle a pet, cuddle a partner, cuddle a friend, actually have something that's going to bring you a sense of, of warmth and joy. Number 10, keep your recovery in the forefront of your mind. And I know this sounds weird, but if food becomes less exciting, it might do as you go through recovery. You know, at the start, it was all novel, novelty. And it may be due to kind of falling off into a routine. I want you to shake things up, add novelty, add new foods, add new challenges, go to a new place to eat, keep things different. And it keeps recovery moving forward rather than remaining stagnant because you can kind of remain quite stagnant, getting into a pattern and just falling off the bandwagon. I want you to create novelty within your week, not to a point that it makes you, you know, uh, throws the baby out with the bathwater if you get that um, saying, but actually that it keeps it new and enticing. 
And lastly, tip 11, we're on to that. And now I want you to kind of consider increasing your food intake. If you are on a low amount of food, even if you are restoring weight, if you need to, it's worthwhile actually like thinking, am I actually eating enough? Because your body is designed to get its back to its place of set point. So no matter kind of how much you're eating, your body kind of will try and push through, but it might not be in a way that is fully repairing your body. So it might be about, you know, actually increasing your uh, energy intake to send a clear message to your body and your brain that scarcity and scarcity is over and encourages the return of your appetite. And with that, all of that, you have to just jump off the diving board, say, I trust my body that it's doing its thing. It's going to repair itself. Do not lose hope in recovery. And as you progress further into your recovery and your body approaches its set point weight or even overshoots to facilitate that internal repair, you may notice your appetite naturally fluctuating. This is a very, very, very important time to maintain the trust in your body and ensure you nourish it adequately. Trust that your worth is beyond a number on a scale and reclaiming your life back and finding freedom is so important. So I hope these tips have been helpful and helping you understand actually the importance of hunger and fullness. And like I said, I have got an episode on extreme hunger and my experience there. So it might be worthwhile you listening back to that if that was part of your journey. Remember that recovery is a dynamic and scary process. Highs and lows, it's not linear, but your body has your side and will continually adapt to new circumstances. So embrace the process, trust your body, always honour your hunger, whether mental or physical, and it will be possible to recover. So thank you again. If you like this episode, please, please, please leave a review. It helps me massively, whether that be on Spotify or Apple. Leave a really constructive, helpful review. It helps me do my thing. It helps me continue doing this podcast for you. I appreciate every, every review that I get and I am more more grateful than you could ever know. But for now, like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you are interested in any of my offers, please check the description box. I am so, so, so grateful to be sharing this knowledge with you and I wish you all the best. But for now, I will see you in my next episode. Bye-bye.